Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need when you need it with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Aaron Dignan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Rodney Evans. Hey, everyone. This is going to be the first in a series of short episodes dedicated to navigating this moment, this unprecedented moment in which we're facing pretty massive challenges at home and at work, which incidentally, at least for me and Rodney, are the exact same place right now. (laughs) It's probably true for you as well. Um, This is a series we're calling Ready for Anything, and our hope is that it arms you not only to deal with this pandemic, but to deal with anything the world throws at you next. But before we solve the world equation, I think we should check in. One of the practices that we all should be using while we're working remotely is a check-in round. A lot of people are having different kinds of experiences with this moment of crisis. And for some of us, the world is relatively normal. And for some, it's already changed really drastically. And so when you get onto your first video call of your life or your hundredth of your life, (laughs) take five minutes rather than sitting in awkward silence for it to start and do a check-in round. And we're going to do a check-in round that's useful right now for teams to hold a little bit of space for one another, which is this. What are you worried about? <laughs> so many things. Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, this is activating lots of worry for me. Um, I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, as you know, so that's been fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, been, you know, using my disinfectants and things like that. So that's got me worried. And then I'm a little bit worried, not so much about the actual risk of what's actually happening, although it's very severe and serious, but about our ability to kind of irrationally overreact and possibly, you know, make a longer and deeper recession than than was even necessary. So I'm a little bit worried just about human nature in this moment. I don't Mm -hmm. know. What about you? Also, so many things. I feel (laughs) particularly worried about my city right now. Mm. Um, Durham is a really amazing, thriving, awesome, diverse community where people really want to help each other out. And it's also one that is hugely driven by small business. And uh, those folks just don't have a lot of cushion and a lot of slack. And so for them, like a week can be existential. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm worried about uh, what my little city and all of those wonderful people um, will be like when all of this is over. Yeah, it's hard. You forget when you work in a particular category that there are other spaces people work in with different levels of risk and tolerance and margin. And like there are restaurants running on like 1% margin. And guess what happens when people don't show up for two weeks? Right. So yeah, I'm definitely hip to that. Um, All right. Well, let's just let's jump in. The, The whole point of this Ready for Anything series is going to be to explore, you know, what do we need to know? What do we need to know how to do? What do we need to step into in order to be prepared 
to to tackle this, but also to tackle everything else. But before we go there, why don't we just start by answering the question, what is actually happening? Like what the actual F is happening <laughs> right now? And what are you seeing out on the front lines with, with clients? What, what are they experiencing? What are they dealing with? What I'm seeing a lot of is, of course, remote work and remote work for the first time and everything that that brings with it. And in this series, we'll spend some time on tools and tactics. Um, mm-hmm. But what this moment of immediate change is bringing up is actually cracks in a lot of the foundation of organizational operating systems. So the one people point to really immediately because it's present for them is like, how the f*** do we conduct all these meetings when we're not (laughs) in the office together? And we've never had to do that unless someone was like out sick and they were on a spider phone and, you know, probably didn't really pay attention anyway. But um, so, so a lot of stuff is coming up around that because it's very present and because it's something that has to be triaged like in the moment. But what I'm also seeing is a lot of bigger questions around strategy, around balancing short and long-term needs, around authority. There's so much creeping in right now when we can't be in informal conversation. Um, Really, I'm seeing like gaps in pretty much every area of the canvas in most (laughs) of the companies that I'm in and around right now uh, because a crisis or, you know, any kind of emergent event just like highlights those in such stark relief. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, I guess we aren't as tight on membership as we thought we were. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think one of the reasons that we decided to do this series is not that the world is short on guides for how to go remote. Right, of course. It's that there are ingredients missing that make that possible. And so while everyone's grappling with like, how do I get Zoom working on my, you know, 1888 PC at work? Um, there's actually this bigger question of like trust and connection and alignment and awareness and sense making and information flow and all these things that we talk about all the time that suddenly become like prerequisites effectively for doing that well. And then you zoom back even further and you just realize like, this is just one form of disruption. It's one kind of destabilization. It's one kind of complexity, and in some cases, even chaotic um, environment that that you have to grapple with. And if you don't have, like we're always talking about, you know, real adaptivity and and kind of human connection present in the system, well, it's not going to navigate it very well. Mm-hmm. And so the the moment is sort of about not just recognizing what are those tactical things we can do, but also recognizing like what does it take to drive this bus. And yeah. what, you know, what kinds of skills do we need to have in mindsets and all that? And I think that's actually the missing piece in the conversation I'm seeing is everybody's talking about, well, how do I know if people are working hard or how do I have a 20 person meeting? And I'm sitting here thinking, can we just start by talking about trust? Mm-hmm. Because if we can't do that, then, you know, who cares what the right platform to have your 20 person meeting on is? Mm-hmm. To me, trust is a really essential part of this conversation. And the other major ingredient is learning. So mm-hmm. I had a funny conversation today with a group of people, and it happened to be about remote work, but a thing occurred to me that I thought was really genius. So I'm going to share it here, <laughs> which is in this moment, a lot of people are trying to do a lot of new ways of working really, really quickly. But also the environment around them is trying to learn that too. So it's like Mm -hmm. someone was talking about their cat crawling up in their lap during a video conference. And first of all, 
the humans in that system like just are not prepared for that because it's like we right. don't behave in ways You're where not our personal lives are seeping <laughs> in. But also my point to them was like, yeah, but also the cat's not used to it. Like mom's home for the first time in 12 years all day sitting at a computer. The environments around us have not learned to deal with having our bodies home. We haven't learned with how to relate and get our work done and not be interrupted by a million distractions. That's right. Pings all day. And so to me, there's a trust element that's so foundational to this. And then there's just like a speed of learning thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is like, how quickly can we learn how to do 50 new moves in a day? Because that's how many we need to actually function right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you pick up that, you know, violin for the first time, how's it going to sound? Yeah, it doesn't sound great. It's just, I mean, I'm doing this from a closet. Like I'm in my closet in my office at home because the house is being used by multiple people for multiple purposes. Yeah. And I just really like your observation that every part of the system is confronted with novelty now, right? Yes. Like the streets are quieter. The restaurants in Colorado, at least, are closed until May 11th, except for delivery. You know, we're all cooking in a different way. We're talking in a different way. We're using space in a different way. Like, it's wild. And I do think that, you know, ingredient one or step one in this playbook that we're creating here might just be, uh, how about a bit of empathy and allowing yourself to have space to learn and others to have space to learn and just accepting that, like, it's not going to be, we're not going to be super productive the next couple of two weeks. Yeah. We're not experts at living in a pandemic because we've never (laughs) done it before. And so we're all going to need to like give ourselves 48 hours to figure out what the fuck is going on. And incidentally, things are changing so rapidly and guidance is changing so rapidly and in such conflicting ways that we're going to be in this state of not knowing what the fuck to do for a really long time. So one of the things I am feeling good about and am feeling excited about is the fact that and this is so true in complexity and in and in sort of phase shifts between things like things that are on one face really bad and really tragic are also on another face these gateways to new possibilities right and so it is possible that through this you know really terrible event there's going to be a lot of things that we're not happy about and there may be a few things on the other side of the door that we can have some hope about mm-hmm. about the way we treat each other about the way we show up about the way work works on the other side of the door, because it does feel like, yeah, if this was a one day interruption or a one week interruption, maybe we all just go back to business as usual. But it's really hard for me to imagine a moment where we spend eight weeks working remotely and then we go back to work and everyone's like, all right, back in the conference room for eight straight hours of meetings. Like, I just can't imagine that. So I'm really excited about the promise of this being a liminal space. Yeah. I hope so. And to me, what I've been asking clients to think about, even in these early days, is use this as a forcing function to shed org debt, to Mm -hmm. not play into bureaucracy, to stop sending the PowerPoint deck that nobody reads ever, to stop having the meeting that's a total waste of time. Like It's easier to be more courageous in this moment because our attention is split in most cases, Mm -hmm. and we're not in the sort of aquarium of pressure and stupidity that we often find ourselves. So it's like, let's use the moment to challenge ourselves on what is impactful and what is essential and 
cut out the other stuff so that when we get back to whatever the new normal is, we don't bring all of this baggage and org debt with us. I remember distinctly one of my clients, a massive company that won't be named, was going through an acquisition process of of another fairly massive uh, player. And the whole C-suite ended up like holed up in a hotel conference room for like 96 straight hours. And they broke like every rule and they just did it. Like they did what they had to do to get it done. Mm -hmm. And years later, they would look back and be like, that was the best teamwork of my life. Like Mm -hmm. that was the moment where it really felt like we were just doing it the right way. And we wish we could just get that back. Mm -hmm. And what I would advise is we're going to move from this phase of like, holy crap, this is just drinking from the fire hose and we're just triaging and just trying to make stuff work. And IT has servers on fire and all that. We're going to move from that into a moment of like, this is jamming. Like this is what balance might feel like. And this is what freedom and flexibility might feel like. And this is, this is really interesting. And the trick would be to your point to kind of remember to eliminate the things that got in the way of that, but also remember to like figure out how to prioritize and capture what's making that work. Cause there's going to be little things we adopt and little things we lose along the way that make that recipe interesting. And I do think, you know, you don't want to look back in 10 years and be like, you know, I did the best work of my life during the pandemic and then never again. And I think for some people that will absolutely be the case. It will. In a moment like this, you know, when really terrible things happen, we tend to suddenly get a lot of perspective. That's the human condition (laughs) and God love us for it, you know, uh, in this moment, we can be braver than we normally would to notice things that are useless. And to your point, to maybe break a little glass, you know, maybe right. it doesn't actually matter if you shave in the morning and put on a suit to sit at a video. Maybe right. we can say out loud that like, you need to end the call early so you can go put on a different movie for your kid who you're supposed to yes. be homeschooling now yes. while yes. you're running a company, you know, like, <laughs> let's be a little bit more um, open and flexible and also courageous to just go like, we can't be the same because nothing else is the same right now. And we're not going to put a lot of time and effort in cycles into trying to maintain the status quo. We're going to put that effort into survival of our business and of our sanity. And to your point, you know, I wanted to come back to just ask you, like you started with talking about trust and how foundational that is What do you see as the opportunity in that domain right now? Well, I think it's really connected to what you were just saying, because actually a lot of the best kind of noticings and observations and missives that I've seen from leaders in this moment are ones that say like the the go, go, go 60 hours a week on top of all this other stuff world that we lived in two weeks ago was a privilege for it was a privilege for capitalism effectively right the privilege Mm. was we built up enough infrastructure and safety and we've made enough things complicated and checklist oriented that you can have someone clean your house and you can have your food delivered and you can do this and you can do that so that you can just really get to the grindstone Mm -hmm. and get it done and now that's gone and there's no amount of like heavy lifting that's going to make up for it. And so I actually saw a really nice note from the founders of Basecamp on Twitter this morning that was like, hey, guess what? Um, We're all at home. Many of us have kids that we're homeschooling. Many of us have pets that are sitting on our laps. Many of us have, you know, all these things that are now all around us. And guess what? We don't expect an eight hour day out of you. Mm -hmm. Not for a while. Like Mm -hmm. it's you give what you can give. Maybe one day it's three hours. Maybe one day it's eight. Maybe one day it's none. 
you're going to read the tea leaves every morning and you're going to do your best work. And we're going to just trust into that and just know that like, we're not going to have our best quarter ever. We're just not. <laughs> we're not. And so, Nobody and is. So here's, and, and here's the good news in their case, at least. And I think a lot of us can learn from this. Um, there's enough in the coffers that we don't need to, mm-hmm. right? That like we can just keep going and persist and persevere and it'll be fine. And I think that is is something that we can aspire to, which is this idea that like, you know, if we run these things to be anti-fragile and resilient and adaptive all the time and we don't spend every red cent on share buybacks and growth and, you know, bonuses, then when we come to these moments, these bumps in the road, we can navigate and we can navigate with some grace, Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first thing to say. The second thing about trust to say is it's one of those, to me, non-negotiables about having a colleague is trust is a space that you step into. It's not a trait of a person to me. And mm-hmm. so when you hire someone, when you bring them into your circle, when you bring them into your project team, to me, you're bringing them into a trust space. And if if you don't, if they don't have your trust, then they need to leave the space. It's not a thing that can just leave them, right? Like, it's not like I'm working with Rodney and then one day I'm like, I don't trust you, but you're going to still be in the space. Like, if I fully don't trust you, then we need to resolve that or one of us needs to not be in the circle. Mm -hmm. Because the way it works when you really want to have these self-managing systems is we need to just have the benefit of the doubt for everybody on on all these things all the time. And that does not mean that it's a feedback-free environment. I think that's the biggest gap that people have about trust is like, I want to review, I want to look over the shoulder of, I want to know that someone's fingers are on the keyboard eight hours a day, and I want to have a time tracker for that. And there's all these like aggressive, you know, um, surveillance oriented approaches. And it's like, no, 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 I need to know in my gut that I trust you in the space. And then if something actually happens, that indicates that we're off track, I need to make sure the feedback loops are closed. So for example, if we run a customer service support network, and suddenly we go from 100% response rate to 50% response rate, that feedback loop needs to close. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that I don't trust you or that I won't let you drive until we see that feedback loop need to close because then I'm just screwed from the get-go, right? Like mm-hmm. as soon as I doubt you, as soon as I am skeptical, I've, I've sort of lost before I began. And I've had the conversation several times in several corners this week that is about lowered expectations. And if you are someone out there who leads anybody else or manages anybody (laughs) else, and you start from a position of the people who work for me are slackers and given an inch, they'll take a mile. And if I'm not surveilling them, everything will just burn to the ground. You're much more likely to get exactly that. That's right. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. People people will do what you expect of them. And if you expect them to suck and not care and not try to continue to contribute and keep things together, that's exactly what you're going to get. But that's not naturally the state that people are in. No, it's we not. see more of that when that is what is um, essentially asked of people by constant uh, hall monitoring. And, you know, I always <laughs> say, like, if you act like a prison warden, people will act like criminals. And if you act Absolutely. like a principal, people will act like children. My mother was a teacher, speaking of principals, for 30 years. And she was a theater teacher. And she often got some of the kids that were troubled kids, the rejects, mm-hmm. the ones that other teachers didn't know what to do with. And the way she treated them was with a different expectation, right? Mm -hmm. With that they, first of all, that they were worthy of trust and respect. And second of all, that like, it's, it's not going to fly to, to sort of under deliver on your own 
potential in this environment. Mm-hmm. And we believe that you will answer that call. And what is so interesting is over time, over literally decades, it just becomes a reputation. And then people bring their problem kids to you <laughs> because somehow you can fix them. And it's like, sure. no, we're not fixing them. We're meeting them with a different system. Yes. We're meeting them with a different set of expectations and and they're still them, right? Like they they obviously do grow as we all do in those environments, but it's not as simple as to say like some people are trustworthy, some aren't, some people are broken, some aren't. It's I I would rather turn that lens on the systems and the mindsets that we mm-hmm. all hold. Like my mindset is a little bit, you know, messed up or our system, our operating system, our principles, our practices are getting in the way of people doing great work. Mm-hmm. And so how do we how do we change that? So I think the big piece of advice, maybe this is like chapter two of the playbook, is um, if you don't see the behavior you you think you need, start looking at what about the system is preventing that rather yes. than who to blame and who to point fingers at. And bullet two, point B, <laughs> number Two B, dash. Two B, dash. Uh, there's polarity in these discussions that is between micromanagement and chaos. Mm -hmm. And there is a third option here, which is getting very clear on what it is you actually need from Mm -hmm. people who work with and for you and making those requests or those demands or those asks or whatever. And, And to your point, your need is not valid if your need is just to control other people and have them (laughs) sort of alleviate your fear that they're screwing around. That's not legit. So just like put that to the side. But also someone said to me today, like I've been looking for this person for two days and they've completely gone dark and we're going to miss a deadline. And I'm like, well, it's valid for you to call that person and find them and find out what's going on. And First of all, if they're okay, and second of all, you know why they're not responding to anything. It doesn't need to be one or the other. It doesn't have right. to either be total chaos and freedom, or we have to check in every 15 minutes, or you're not doing your work. We can all just get clear on needs, expectations, working agreements, and then act like grownups. Well, and those are the two levels of interaction that I always really like to tease apart, which is like, what are we doing at a systems level with our working agreements with each other, Mm -hmm. with our expectations, with our norms? And then what are we doing at an individual level with our feedback loops and Mm -hmm. our interactions and being like, yeah, big picture, just because someone disappeared for two days is not going to change how I design the organization at all. But I am going to DM them. And be like, are you okay? Are you sick? What's going on? How can I help? I need something that you're not giving me. Like that's, that's happening on a different plane. And I feel like what we often do is we conflate those two planes, especially Mm -hmm. in crisis Mm -hmm. where we're like, Ooh, if you're not doing exactly what I think you need to be doing in crisis, then I'm going to have to make a systemic response. And that's not the right move. I think the right move right now is to listen to that. The other thing about systems work right now that's really important is just having the right agreements, which we'll talk about in a future episode, having the right mm-hmm. working agreements in place, and also just using the right tool for the job. Because one of the things that is unique about working remotely and also working in new ways, as we're talking about, is you may not use the same tool that you would have used before. So mm-hmm. what used to be a one-hour meeting in person to listen to one person talk about status, that might make a really good you know, note in Slack or email or post in Basecamp this week, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe we don't all need to get into Zoom. And, and I love the, the idea of like, yeah, if you're thinking about putting X number of people around a table in Zoom right now, you might want to question before you even get there, like the conceit of the meeting at all. 
Mm-hmm. And is there another tool for the job now that's better equipped in this moment where time is scarce, where attention is scarce, to just be like, we can do this a different way? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So I think I want to kind of finish this this first level setting episode with a discussion about why this is bigger than remote. Because obviously that's a focal point here for mm-hmm. almost every organization on earth. I was on the phone with a bank and a huge software infrastructure company today. And both of them were like at home in the pajamas trying to figure out how this is all supposed to work and talking about systems crashing and moving to Zoom and all this kind of stuff. So I know that's present, but it's more than that. And so I'm hoping that you can just say a little bit about why it's more than that and how we need to get that right. We are in the middle of real ass complexity. (laughs) And And a bit of chaos too. Yeah, we talk about what that looks like and what uh, the lens of complexity consciousness looks like. And that's really cool and resonant cognitively with a lot of smart thinking people. But like now we're actually in it. And it's not one emergent event, it's multiple emergent events every day that are challenging us. And so what we need right now is to be designing anti-fragile systems. You know, people love the word resiliency. Folks, this is what it means to be resilient is podcasting from a closet, rethinking a format, having an editor at home, getting that all spun up in four minutes and getting you something that we think is going to help you keep your company going in an afternoon. Like that is one micro example, but what we want to help people with is in this moment, shedding organizational debt, looking across the operating system of your team or organization or whatever domain you have some agency in and figuring out how to get to a foundation that is going to flex and serve you as things Mm -hmm. continue to unfold. And I think it's so critical because the instinct is going to be for one leader or one leadership team or one hero to come up with the answer, the instruction, the protocol, the platform, we're all going to be looking to authority to solve this for us. And that is that is just, you know, opposite the trait that we're actually looking for, which is a system that can solve its own problems. And so in theory, what you want to see is a system where if on day two, we go up, oh, we got to go fully remote in a system that's never been remote before. The the antibodies and the and the neurons and all the little interconnections in that network are like okay, and everybody starts to adjust. And that, that by the way, does not mean that it's perfect on day three. Of course, a, a, a resilient system, an anti fragile system, an adaptive system. These are all technical words with slightly different meanings. But what we mean is, do they get knocked down or do they get knocked down and then get up again? Uh, you You're know, never going to keep them pop down. Song. Yeah, um, I've gone to the pop song. <laughs> Uh, you know, does that does that go on, or does it, or does it really shock the system and break it? Is it brittle? And I think that's the that's the measure. And so, really, what you want to do is look at the team and say, "Hey, um, we're kind of starting with a blank piece of paper here. There's a few things that are non negotiable, and we have to figure out what those are together. Or, or I'm going to tell you what they are. These are the things that have to stay up, that have to deliver. These are the things that can slide. And let's start drawing together and let's start moving in a decentralized way where different teams are trying different things. You know, it's not it's not as if we have to then spin up a video conferencing solution for the entire company on day two that works for everybody. We could just say, hey, everybody, I know this sounds crazy to security, but go sign up for a video conferencing service and use it with your team. 
throw those links in calendar when you need them. And we'll start working on figuring out what our shared system will be. And by the way, along the way, we'll learn what actually works really well because we'll try 15 different systems. And importantly, while we're waiting for the mayor or the CEO or (laughs) whoever to create a centralized, perfect policy that applies to everybody, it it is becoming irrelevant. It is becoming not worth the paper it's written on. So let's be thinking and testing and learning and sharing um, at the team level however we can. And if we break some rules, so be it, because this is one of those moments. Let's not wait for instruction in complexity that is likely not going to be something that is right for every single person inside of a complex system. And I think our goal going forward in this little mini series is going to be to kind of take a second look at each of the spaces in the operating system and talk about what are the things that we really need to do there if we are looking at a blank sheet of paper and trying to make things work remotely and in a very, you know, kind of anti-fragile way on, you know, the first day after we decide to do this, what are the things to consider? What are the things to try? What are the things to keep your eye on so that we can, you know, in the space of a couple weeks, start to sketch the outline of what does an operating system look like that can survive this moment, that can thrive in this moment and move us into a future where we're better equipped for whatever may come. That's what we're going to do. Word. Um, That seems like a good place to to shut it down. So I will say thank you to you, Rodney, for all your wonderful ideas, including the idea to do this series. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be kick-ass. Quick tip of the hat to Taylor Marvin for making us sound so very good. Uh, even in closets and <laughs> homes. Uh, Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work. You can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. Shoot us notes right now. We want to hear the questions that you'd like to see answered in this series, the platforms you want us to take a look at, really anything that's on your mind. Um, and if you like what you're hearing, drop us a review, throw some stars at us, and ideally share this with someone who needs it. My guess is right now, based on what I'm seeing, there's a lot of people out there who need it right now. So, Uh, Do your best to share. And as for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something.